Hello, welcome to uh, Don't Burst the Bubble, I believe is uh, is what we're calling it this time around. Uh, yeah. It, it's the uh, the offspring of uh, a radio show from uh, from Cambridge in 2012. So I mean, you know, that's a that's a that's a pretty uh, popular wave you want to ride, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, so the that the the sort of offshoots of that wave from uh, from 12 years later arriving at us just now uh we're we're sort of still surfing on that uh it's don't burst the bubble uh named of course for that uh, you probably shouldn't burst the support bubble if you can burst the support bubble then don't uh, <laughs> we talk about some silly news stories uh we're the antidote to uh really all uh just all of news uh I, I, i'd say uh the the past month's worth of news have been just un- unremitting horror of various kinds, uh, except for, I mean, there was a fairly remarkable remission uh, yesterday, but with, like, significant, uh, significant uh, more more awful news for it coming immediately before it. So if what you crave is the, uh, is the light popcorn of news, then, uh, then we're the people for you. Uh, with me, of course, is uh, is original and best host uh, Michael Conterio. <laughs> Hello, thank you very much for the kind words. <laughs> oh, no, it, it's it, it's great to be able to do something like this. Um, it, it's yeah, <laughs> we all need the silliness at the moment. That's kind of like our our aim is like incisive political commentary and satire. You will not find here silliness. <laughs> yes, we're, please. We're not competent to deliver it. No. Uh, which, which I think is the thing. I think um, there are so many shows on the internet which are people who are not competent to delivering attempts at political satire. So we just sidestep all of that and go, yeah, we're not competent. We admit it. We just look at the silly stuff and just wax. Lyrical isn't even the right word. I was going to say wax lyrical, but can I? That would that would imply some sort of uh, like meter to what we wax. Um, I don't know. Just 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 wax nonsensely. Wait, your theory is that if you're waxing lyrical, then you're doing so in verse. Not necessarily in verse, but it's got to it's got to sound nice. You can't wax lyrical about something in like a staccato manner, right? <laughs> I, yeah, this okay. thing is kind of great. I, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> because there's an eloquence. I think I think you need to be eloquent to wax lyrical. Yeah, that's fair enough. Although maybe that's just waxing eloquent. <laughs> maybe that's what I mean. Yeah, I'd never really thought through the word lyrical in that before. Yeah, maybe as as you say, to be lyrical is indeed uh, to be versular, rhythmic. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I will like all of my future waxing. I will describe it more describe it more accurately. That's a good start. Does this mean actually, if you're trying to like do something down, but um, in a very eloquent fashion, are you waning lyrical? <laughs> yeah, you're sort of. Yeah, I see what you mean. You're trying to like put it back in its box. You're sort of trying to trying to dim its light, lyrically. <laughs> and you probably can wane eloquent, which is when you do so in prose. <laughs> Much of King Lear was was basically waning eloquent. <laughs> oh well, that's a few minutes in, and we've already hit a Shakespeare reference. I mean, I think that means we're we're able to claim a certain level of uh, cultural. I think that's as good as it's going. I think we should stop now. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. No, <laughs> let's, let's get on with the actual show. Oh, go on then. Let's start with our first story. It's our only. Uh, no, it's not. Well, that's not quite true. It is us. I'm going to say we have one and a half topical stories as a concession to all that has gone on uh, lately. Um, so let's start with the one. Uh, 
this is the story uh, that in the course of... Uh, like, I don't know if you heard, there's some sort of election going on recently. Uh, and in the course of that, um, one uh, particular town uh, in North Dakota has elected itself a representative with the fairly significant shortcoming uh, that he is dead, uh, and has been since October the 5th. Uh, he, is, he is nonetheless their elected representative, uh, and will... I assume, uh, do his best from, <laughs> it should, should it turn out that the, whatever afterlife turns out to exist, I assume he's in whatever that is uh, and sort of, you know gesturing, gesticulating wildly in a way that uh, sort of tries to execute the uh, the duties uh, of a United States representative. Maybe, maybe they just uh, attach something uh, that, that, and uh, just see if he, if any of the uh, things that they suggest starts, starts him spinning in his grave. <laughs> And sort of, yeah, I see what you mean. So it's if if he rotates clockwise, then that's that's ascent, and if he rotates counterclockwise, then that's uh, sort of descent, and and so on. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, suddenly, suddenly, that, that's not the case. There is actual some sensible things here, but I just love it's like reading uh, the article that we found this on. Uh, there are so many things to pick out here. Um, I think uh, one of the big things is the uh, North Dakota Attorney General has said that the state's court system uses the American rule where votes cast for the deceased candidate should be counted. And it's like, of all the things that, like, I think of when I hear American, I can't, like, like this is not one of them. Like, how is, I mean, like, given all the fuss about kind of, like, like on like claiming like with zero evidence whatsoever that dead people are voting, but that that's no good. But apparently, it's very American to vote for someone who's dead <laughs> and have it counted. Maybe maybe they're saying this is the American dream uh, is to uh, <clears throat> is to do your job either so effectively or so unnoticeably that should you die, then that essentially doesn't have any impact. <laughs> Oh dear! The, 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 the kind of like a little bit further on is um, carrying on from this. Uh, the attorney general saying, however, if the prevailing candidate has died, the candidate is no longer qualified. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> this is entirely true. It's just a slightly unusual way to put it. So who who is running against this person? Because like, if you're running against somebody and you can't win, um, <laughs> just you know by by being alive, like that's not good enough to convince the voters that you'd be a bet you'd do a better job representing their interests. I mean, you've yeah. got to have a look at yourself, haven't you? Yeah, it's it's like losing to Ron, right? We open on the nations. Oh, I see. Yeah, I thought you meant. I briefly thought you meant uh, Ron Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> and like I know that is like losing to Ron Weasley. It's deeply humiliating to lose to Ron Weasley. But I, I, I guess I thought I, I, I'd have expected you to have a more pro Ron uh, demeanor. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are, there are people who think that Ron's useless, and there, there are people who think that Ron's a, Ron's a good egg. And I would have put you in the second camp, but maybe I, maybe that's incorrect. <laughs> to be honest, I haven't thought in detail about Ron. <laughs> Maybe this is just me. I, I, I sort of, uh, I, I thought he was always kind of like the Omega of the uh, of the Harry Potter universe. That sort of the the epitome of sort of kind-hearted uselessness. That sort of, you know, that if you had to sum him up, it'd be a it'd be a sort of a, oh for goodness sake, sort of, you know, to, to sort of pick him up, move him to one side, and do whatever it was that needed doing. 
<laughs> I don't know. Perhaps this probably says this probably says more about me than it does about Ron Weasley, to be honest. <laughs> this is slightly amused by the concept of a, a main character from a book you just kind of like pick up and just like move slightly to the side and like the fact that there changes the plot not not in the slightest. <laughs> I mean, he did play a giant game of giant chess, didn't he? So you probably actually could do that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I don't quite remember how the game of giant chess worked. I don't know if they actually had oh, to. No, it, was them, it, it, was it, it was them moving rather than. Um, what like this is like what have, I'm sure there have been representations of chess games with people as pieces, but there's been like a giant version of the person moving a smaller version of the person, and everyone's just supposed to accept this and not like question what the hell's going on. <laughs> oh yeah, no. no, I think I dimly remember as well. Yeah, there, there were like uh, animated pieces, weren't there? That they they sort of walked yeah. into the chess room and were able to sort of decide what piece they want to be. Yeah, which I guess be the king. I think one was. Uh, okay. Well, good choice then. Perhaps I, you know, maybe I've maybe I've misca- miscategorized him all this time. I mean, I'm mainly thinking that if you get to be the king, then you don't get to find out what happens if you get taken, uh, unless you absolutely. Lose I know the he game. can't have been. He can't have been because he was taken. That was kind of a crucial plot point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my sort of dim memory that he yeah. was. He was like a pawn sacrifice, which that you know that fits in with my. That's my mental image of Ron Weasley. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's another related story, kind of like talking about um, U.S. elections that are not the main one. Um, and uh, there's a uh, a village, well, a hamlet apparently. It's the Kentucky hamlet, according to NBC News, um, which uh, has never had an actual person or human as a mayor, and has just elected a six-month-old French bulldog as their mayor. Cool. Um, and like this is a thing. They just they 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 just do it. It's not political at all. Like, the mayor has no power. Um, what's is there an animal? Is there an animal term that's the equivalent of figurehead? Because I mean, I guess it could still be figurehead. Um, it's just it'd be, it's quite when you say think figurehead, you don't think and like dog. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe most definitive of the animal kingdom is not having figurehead rulers. Uh, <laughs> in that, like, you know, Darwin would be quite angry. If there was a like a member of a pack of wolves that just sort of sat around, you know, sort of performing ceremonial wolf duties and never actually contributing to the wolf economy, it was never really clear in the Lion King exactly how that worked. What a figurehead ruler! Well, the the, the, the the whole king business. Ah, I'm in a tricky spot there because I've never watched the Lion King. Ooh, which is, I appreciate uh, a problem. Uh, especially, especially, especially because my uh, uh, my niece uh, has become completely obsessed with the Lion King and watches it once a day. So sooner or later, it's going to happen to me against my will. But I'm sort of I'm going on strong. Of I'm going to say, twenty four years of evading the Lion King. <laughs> Maybe and the Lano can take that sentence entirely out of context. <laughs> For twenty four years, Smoten has been evading the King of the Lions. <laughs> It's like some sort of horrendous curse was placed upon you when you were little. <laughs> like at some point, the Lion King will find you. <laughs> he has a special set of skills. I, I just want to—I t- want to take a, like a little bit of a left turn here, by the way, and uh, I just want to back up a moment to—you uh, used the phrase "the Kentucky Hamlet," uh, and I think that's a delightful phrase. Uh, and <laughs> to, like represent a wide variety of things. Uh, like, my first thought would be a sandwich. 
<laughs> I think the Kentucky Hamlet is probably a very small ham. A very <laughs> like a joint of yeah, okay, a very very small joint that you might otherwise refer to as a ham. That was like a bit disappointingly small, so you put it between a bread roll. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, obviously, a sort of a, a tragic hero uh, is the second thing you might come to. Maybe a newspaper, the Kentucky Hamlet, sounds like a like a, a paper. Maybe like a paper entirely constructed of the sort of the last story from other papers. So it's in, which I guess it's this show, actually, isn't it? I'm describing the, the, the Don't Burst the Bubble publication there, actually. I've just, I've just realized we've accidentally like created a cultural, like, entire come full circle because uh, we went off to The Lion King, which the plot of which is based off Hamlet. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> it is basically Hamlet with lions. I, on account of never having seen. Never having seen The Lion King and not being able to remember the plot of Hamlet, I'm pretty impressed with myself. For, for, yeah. for oh, the best thing, I'm not actually, I'm not actually seen it, but I believe there was a spin-off which just looks at the characters of Timon and Pumba, who are kind of like the side characters who support the main character in, in The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently that Disney have done that, and it's basically Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead. Uh, are they... Are Rosencrantz and Gilderstern, are they like the equivalent of Sir Toby Belch and, like, the, the character named Bum or whatever. But, like, the, the, the one that occurs in every Shakespeare play and does, like, two minutes of comic relief before the interval. Um, I can't remember exactly, but, yeah, I mean, like, they're, 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 they're Hamlet's friends who, I, I think, spoilers, I believe die in the in the, in the the course of the play. Mm-hmm. But uh, Hamlet and Gilderstone are dead is kind of like this weird existential thing, partially with them trying to, like, deal with the concept of free will. Uh, like, which is like, well, well, kind of. It's not really like it's, it's a very weird thing. It's, it's oh, who is it? Tom Stoppard swinging the bell. I can't remember now. This is embarrassing. But like, this, 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 this is this is the kind of like the level that we're at. Uh, we are we are able to like put the reference. But yes, it is Tom Stoppard. Hooray! Uh, an absurdist existential tragic comedy, uh, according to Wikipedia. Um. But yeah, and uh, the, yeah, the fact is that there are that the, there is also like the Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa is kind of based off that, which I think is like a wonderful thing. Because like, why would you just, like base a Disney film off that? <laughs> it, it's just yeah, bizarre. While so. you frantically are typing, shall I attempt to link? Yes. Okay. Okay. Here goes. Michael's Wikipedia-ing some stuff right now. <laughs> you know what would prevent you from Wikipedia-ing some stuff? Why, what? that would be if you lived in the village of Aberhosen, uh, probably mispronounced, uh, which is in uh, mid-Wales, I believe. Uh, this is the the village which discovered uh, that reliably all of their internet uh, connectivity would go out at 7am every morning, uh, and eventually traced the fact uh, down to the fact that there was one resident of the village with a TV from like the 70s or so, which he switched on at bang on 7 o'clock every morning, uh, 
for I, I don't I don't know what he was intending to watch, uh, but whatever it was, it, it it took the whole internet down. And presumably he was the one person not complaining about the internet. So he was the one he was the one person sat watching his TV. Uh, and basically, BT finally sort of went around with like Ghostbusters equipment in order to find out what the heck was was causing this, and sort of you know knock on this guy's door and say like you're breaking everything, stop it. Yeah, it's. I I found it really weird. It's like, how is a broadband so vulnerable to something like this? It's kind of like when when you think about like cyber warfare, you don't think are oh, people just running around and switching old old folks' TVs on. <laughs> uh, I, I I I assume it was kind of like something about the little the village that made it susceptible to this. That it wasn't just because otherwise, like yeah, can you imagine like NATO in some sort of like. Cuban Missile Crisis style era, just like, oh god, the internet's gone down, someone's using the microwave. I mean, well, perhaps this guy wasn't being fully honest about his TV. Maybe it, <laughs> maybe it looked quite a lot like a TV, and he's pretty good at doing the act of like, oh goodness, oh what a surprise, oh yeah, now this old, this old thing, sort of frantically stands in front of it, covering up the sort of Cyrillic text on the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to be taking the place down, but... Uh, the the Russian like counterintelligence operation is pretty under resourced, and they're just they've been like practicing knocking over Welsh villages for the past ten years or so. <laughs> as far as they've got. Oh dear! It's like next, uh, like, next step, it's Hampton, things, but they just never got there. It's one of those things where it's like if this story had come out any other year, that sort of level of like sort of like tin foil philosophizing or like, tin foil hat philosophizing would just be entirely. Like just like you wouldn't you wouldn't even stop to consider that, that was a possibility. But twenty twenty is just like yeah, that could be a thing. I don't know. Like I I have become so much more like credulous about stuff like that because there's so many random things, terrible things seem to be happening. <laughs> so on the but, basis of this situation, I wanna suggest to you a game which okay. is Think of a problem that bothers people in general, like it's a trope in the culture that, like, this is bad, but it doesn't really bother you. And whatever that is, I put it to you that you are in some way the cause. <laughs> oh, crikey. Like, yeah, what, what gets everybody else's goat, but not really yours? Oh, like, you know, are, are you not that bothered by people who park a bit askew? You know, <laughs> if so, you're probably the one causing all this in some way. You know, you're the, you're the one who initially parks just wrong enough that the person next to you goes ah, and like, and you know, before you know it, there's somebody parking a speedboat across three spaces. You know, it's like it's just a domino effect throughout the whole car park. Ah, right. oh, if anyone chooses to go the other way, I can find a, I think of things that probably annoy me more than everyone else. But finding yeah. something that I'm not annoyed about is it's, it's like one of those things. That, like trying to think of a negative is really difficult. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. what, what would yours be? What would yours be? So you might be the person who's like who's the cause of no ills, but the victim of all of them. Like <laughs> <laughs> crap rolls downhill, and at the very bottom of the hill is you. <laughs> Being like, ah, ah, more rolling stuff. <laughs> Stop it, you people. <laughs> 
Uh, but yes, no, I'm, and, and indeed, you have batted my own game back to me. Uh, and it is indeed really hard to play. I, I begin to see the, the flaws in this game. What doesn't irritate me? I mean, like, a lot of things don't irritate me. You know what doesn't irritate me? Uh, toast. Sandwich. Yeah, right. Neither toast nor sandwiches irritate me. But am I the cause of sandwiches? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, actually, that's not true. I sometimes, <laughs> am, the I sometimes am the cause of sandwiches. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could just hear you you finishing that sentence and just feel like reaching that sentence going, hang on a moment. Or like, wait, hang on, what are the two kinds of cause? I'm 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 one of the I'm one of the kinds of cause to a sandwich and I'm the other kind of cause to toast, in the sense that like sandwiches I'm like the direct agent that assembles them, and toast I always have to have an intermediary. Like I you know, I never I never have the power to just like radiate enough heat to cause toast. <laughs> you know the thing it's like it's about causal chains and like are you the, the closest thing in the causal chain you know like if I were before a particularly pernickety lawyer could I say like ah oh, no that toast wasn't my doing why that was the doing of the electricity company I was <laughs> I was in the chain but it's the ultimately the electricity company's fault slash Kenwood uh, yeah. that the toast happened oh right well, now, now we're going to like interesting philosophical points it's like is this something that you've like read and thought about a lot and kind of like at what point am i <laughs> responsible for things it's kind of like yeah, am yeah, i responsible yeah. like to, like am i responsible for like uh, like am i responsible for not fixing other people's problems because i didn't fix someone's problem <laughs> even though potentially i could have done I do suffer this exact problem, but I suffer it only uh, during the time taken to make breakfast, so it's not, it's not too bad. Uh, <laughs> I, I get it whilst the toast is running, I get it whilst, like, if I microwave in some beans, but it's, yeah, it's kind of bounded to six or seven minutes worth of existential dread per day. <laughs> oh, I'm like, <laughs> so that's a dream for some people. <laughs> I mean, I mean... I mean, as I was describing off air, uh, that the, the, for the previous week, this was just not at all true. The the previous week, I've been beset by, I, w I mean, given that I've been sleeping about half time due to the sheer stress of the American situation, uh, which is ridiculous considering I don't even live in America. <laughs> I I would I would say I've got about ninety six to a hundred hours worth of like pure like real bowel chilling existential dread in and like i consider myself done for the rest of the year i'm sort of i'm taking the rest of the year off from existential dread bowel chilling, bowel Is that chilling. A thing? yep yep i mean i mean it's clearly possible <laughs> <laughs> i can't consciously do it but uh <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like one of those um like bizarre health things you get online like remember when i was a bad little a few years back for having having fish eat the dead skin off your toes oh yeah yeah, yeah, I know. Like, it feels like this is the new thing. Is kind of like we will, we will chill your bowels to reverse aging somehow. <laughs> and the, like, uh, I mean, let's not talk about how you're going to achieve this, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to hope that the way you do this is by a modified walk-in, uh, like a a modified chest freezer that you can put like a rubber gasket on, so that your sort of, <laughs> your bottom half is in the freezer, getting a good old chilling whilst your top half is sort of poking out like a jack-in-the-box uh, and is able to continue your daily, your daily tasks. You, so you, you put things within reach of yourself. You know, you've got your laptop, got your toaster. You'll need some, you'll need some good warm toast to keep the, uh, keep the top half of you in, uh, in, good, in good nick. Oh, dear. So uh, this is our new business venture, then. Forget Don't Burst Bubble. We're going into 
We're going into bizarre healthcare. Illegal modifications to white goods. <laughs> that's that's a new theme. What's the next story, Chris? <laughs> Are you suggesting that I've got off track? All right, fine. <laughs> I'm speaking of tracks. <laughs> speaking of tracks, the next actually, and also the game that you were talking about. Yes. Because this is a story about a French MP whose parked car uh, managed to block a train line. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, he parked. A, he parked on a level crossing, and was therefore the only person to not notice at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Doesn't bother me when people park on level crossings. It's because it's always his car. <laughs> Maybe if there was that one time when he parked his car in a level crossing, walked to the railway station, got on a train, and then was sat in the train (laughs) being like, why is it delayed? People are so inconsiderate. (laughs) But on this occasion, this did not happen. On this occasion, the MP in question uh, was, uh, I think he was watching a football match? Rugby match. Uh, His son's rugby match. He was watching a rugby match and was approached by the police to uh, to note that uh, that 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 parking space isn't as good as it looks. Yeah, best. Like again, this is translated, but like I love what you said lately. Is like I have no excuse. It's been two years since the line opened, and I even inaugurated it. (laughs) Like I'm pretty absent-minded, but. I think that is just so far beyond. And I even managed to like, like have some sort of like, this is like one of his other um, responses to a question was like, if I had a driver like many of my peers, it wouldn't have happened. Oh. And like, that's, that's quite some, he's like, so that, that's going to like, I am not the cause. The cause is my lack of driver. <laughs> I guess he's also kind of boasting about being frugal there, isn't he? He's sort of mm. saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm frugal but incompetent, which is less costly to the public purse than, uh, <laughs> than if I had a driver but also didn't block the damn trains. I can have, I'm assuming the level crossing that he parked on here, like, it, it wasn't the kind with barriers and lights, right? Yeah, it <laughs> was quite He wasn't just one. like, wow, this is a really good parking place. And I love the way that there's all these, like, security features to keep your, you know, keep your car safe from interlopers. Yeah, I assume it's just basically like one of those, like, almost like a country lane that just happened to have a level crossing where they don't even bother with anything because you like you just like just look see if there's a train coming is is, is sufficient. Oh right, okay. I think I finally finally got what happened here. There was a line of people parked along the line along the lane, and then inexplicably a gap in that, and the reason. Yeah, okay, fine. I'd been envisaging this whole thing like it was a car park. <laughs> but the car park somehow had a railway line going through it. I was, I was, yeah, okay. My level of confusion at this story is significantly reduced. You were basically imagining this area of France as if it's just been built poorly on like a city simulation game on on the computer, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, like someone yeah, just no. had to cram everything in and kind of like, oh, there's a car park there, but no one's using the train line anymore. Yeah, put the car park here and. Like you find out that you've got kind of a nuclear power station underneath the swimming pool, and you've got you've got kind of like the the top restaurant in the town inside the industrial district. Just <laughs> because it like it made sense for those things to go there at the time, and then other things got built. And you're like, oh, this doesn't make any sense anymore. However, I cannot fix. I mean, that's real towns as well, isn't it? But 
but yes. Like, yeah, I think real towns, at least, like, if they grow organically, normally people spot that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, I'm sure that, I'm sure there's, like, planned towns where something like that's happened and someone's gone, oh, dear, uh, when they've seen the plans and <laughs> fixed, but... I think the, the only properly planned town I'm aware of in this country is Milton Keynes, whose motto might be, oh, dear. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I, I wasn't expecting that to finish there. It's like, I thought you were going to say, oh, dear, another roundabout. <laughs> No, I, won't sure. hear, I won't hear a thing about uh, against roundabouts because uh, I used to live in Swindon, uh, owner of the majestic magic roundabout, which is terrifying. What majestic but, like, ma- magic roundabouts. It's remarkably powerful. I like I twice accidentally did a U-turn on it, and like <laughs> without killing anybody. You know, like, it's <laughs> it's simultaneously <laughs> utterly amazing, but quite safe because everyone's like moving really, really slowly, like a a sort of very gentle game of dodgems where nobody actually hits each other. <laughs> Oh dear! No, there's, there seems to be a few of those about. I'm sure I've been to some in London. I've been to some in London. Definitely, the most pleasing aspect of it is watching your sat nav try to tell you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a way to describe to somebody the magic roundabout, but it is not to sort of approach it and then be like, at the roundabout, take the at the roundabout, take the f- at the roundabout, take the f- you you have, you have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that, that's wonderful. I kind of feel like we should have more of those then, just so that everyone will get used to occasionally going. Notice that now will not help you because <laughs> you get there's an antidote to all those stories about all of those uh, people who can like follow what their sat nav did and then ended up like in a ditch or like falling off the end of a pier or whatever. <laughs> and then like an antidote to that, you just have. Here's all the people who didn't do what their sat-nav said because their sat-nav was being incomprehensible at them. <laughs> In order to retain... I, I suppose it's kind of like... Um, uh, okay, this is going to take some explaining. Um, do you know what they do uh, when um, people who work in airports detecting bombs in luggage, do you know what they do to keep them attentive? Oh, they, yeah, they, they, they put fake ones in, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And, like, so they, so they sort of, they, every now and again, the image has a cartoon bomb or something, and they're like, aha, found it. Uh, or, like, presumably a shot of, like, maybe an archive of a previous actual bomb, or I don't know. Um, and they press the button, and the system's like, cool, just testing you. Uh, and it basically sounds like you're doing this for driving. Uh, or uh, or maybe for like self-driving cars in the future, just like to make sure the human at the wheel is still paying attention. Every now and again, you set them a challenge. <laughs> and be like, now, nah, okay, we're gonna like we're gonna turn off the directions, and we've you know I don't know we've um, we've flipped <laughs> we've flipped all the signs. Uh, every sign means like the meaning of the one two pages before it in the highway code. Go. <laughs> uh, I, I was imagining it was going to turn more into Mario Kart. <laughs> Which particular Mario Kart um, power-ups are you going to use on the <laughs> unsuspecting drivers? I'm hoping for a red mushroom, personally. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> stuck throttle, I guess, is what that is, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, like, just remind me, there's, there's a sign, that, something that, there's something that irritates me, which I'm not sure, which it really shouldn't do. Um, again, kind of the opposite of your game. But uh, the sign for Slippy Roads... Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of got the car and the kind of like skid mark sort of thing of it. Yes. The skid marks cross. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> like, and it's just one card. I'm like, what? What did this card do? <laughs> was, was, this actually, was this card actually a Transformer? And kind of like midway through, it was like midway through transforming as it was sliding. <laughs> Actually, I, I thought you were going to describe the fact that the skid marks are also uh, curved, uh, which mm. indicates that he's laying down loads of rubber uh, whilst also like successfully controlling the direction he's going. <laughs> so this, is, this is a picture of a very very grippy car, uh, <laughs> like take, taking some like some really difficult turns. As compa- I guess the drawing would be like a straight line of lines, and the car sort of at an angle to the lines. And yeah. maybe you could somehow convey the driver's sort of terrible sense of disorientation to these uh, like unfamiliar sensations. That's a hard one to draw. <laughs> oh dear. Well, so should, should, we, should we go on? Since we're talking about things that might lead to crashes, should we move on to the next news story? All right, go on then. Okay, so this is um, a, a Dutch metro train smashed through some barriers um, and uh, leapt up over the side of the kind of like raised platform that it was on above some water, but was luckily caught by the sculpture of a whale tail just beyond the the, 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 the end of this kind of like platform. Uh, and so uh, no one was hurt and the train was fine. I say as well, to some conclusion, it wasn't like completely all. It didn't, it didn't just all plummet off the end in some sort of like horrendous chain of failure. Uh, and the driver, who I was the only person on there, uh, was was okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, extremely impressive. Uh, I, I, yeah, uh, the photo of it is truly majestic. Like basically, you can see what's happened is the station is built as a raised pier. Uh, above a body of water, uh, and then at the end of the station, those just like if the station just stops, uh, and the first carriage of the train has leapt maybe maybe a meter over the barriers. Um, presumably, it, like it hit them pretty hard and then got shoved up and over. Well, I mean, that's the thing; it's, it must have been going some. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I've yeah, no idea. <laughs> Fa- Yes, definitely not zero speed, probably not 70 miles an hour. Besides that, I just have no mental model at all of like what you need to do to achieve this. Uh, but it, it's gone basically a full carriage's length off the end of the pier. But then this massive sculpture of a whale diving into the water uh, is sort of neatly supporting, almost basically perfectly horizontally, the, the last car of the train. Uh, and even conveniently, one of the sets of doors leads out onto the whale tail. So I'm kind, of, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of hoping the driver sort of went like, "Ooh, ooh that didn't quite go right." Opened the door, stepped out onto the whale tail, and was like, "Eh, probably a way down from here." <laughs> I think I'll go it's back. Not the worst. Yeah, yeah, it's not the worst parking that's been in the news recently. <laughs> Wait, I, that sounds like you're saying something up. What is the what is the worst parking? Oh no, I was like, uh, it is an argument about whether this or the uh, French MPs parking is oh, worse. Right. Because this is work in terms of like destructive thing, but that one is worse in terms of like potential for like things to go badly for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one definitely doesn't fit into my game. Like this is not <laughs> like you know what's you know what's just not as annoying as people say like low speed rail accidents. <laughs> I, I'm just not that irritated by them. When somebody says like, oh yeah, no, there's been a minor like uh, like a fender bender on the trains, like twenty mile an hour thing, nobody got hurt. I'm like pretty sanguine about that, and everyone likes everyone acts like it's a big deal. That tells you that I'm the cause, but uh, but I don't think I am. 
uh, and I don't think people have those views, so that's nice. <laughs> so um, yeah, the artist, um, artist slash architect of the uh, sculpture, seems surprised that it didn't break. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Okay. <laughs> well, because it's like, well, it's plastic, and it's not really supposed. It's twenty year old plastic, and it's not designed for this. But, uh, yeah. but, but the, there's, there's some phases there, but I'm just kind of imagining you go like, well. Yeah, I thought it would break, but oh, well, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh. Basically, I'm kind of imagining Bill Bailey playing this artist for some reason. <laughs> we should definitely look into how they built it, because mm. you wouldn't expect them to particularly be that like that great at producing something that can hold. What must that be like? What does a bus weigh? A bus weighs like sort of going on tons. like five or six tons. That sort of range. Uh, yeah, and. It's got away like that or more. So yeah, just like an unexpected five to ten tons plunked on the end of this whale tail. That's just fine, actually. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is very impressive. That probably tells you that the other whale tail that's neighbouring it could be like scavenged for half its weight in aluminium, uh, and like you know, continue to look like a whale. Think of I mean, the, the whale tail looks like cans it... we could make from that. The other whale tail looks like it's actually slightly straighter up as well. And I'm like, I'm assuming that's deliberate. But, <laughs> like, I'm assuming it's not just that the train has crushed this one over. But, like, that's the thing. Imagine if it had been on the other one, it would, have been, it would have gone so much worse. They do actually now, yeah, now you mention that, they look like, um, you know, like water slides. You often get, like, them built in a pair of, like, the big kids one and the little kids one. They do look <laughs> a bit like that. So, like, this is the one that you go to if you want to drive your train on, into like a fairly placid stop and the one next to it is the one that you use if you want to drive your train in like a grand arc that ends in like the house's opposite <laughs> so thank goodness he went for the kiddie version yes uh, so should we move on to the next story then? yeah I suppose so uh, have, you, have you got your list there? sorry I've managed to lose my I do, yes. Uh, I am going to talk about Blue Moons, mainly because I want to complain about Blue Moons. Uh, The story is pretty straightforward, which is that that was a Blue Moon. Uh, A Blue Moon is when you get more than one full moon in a calendar month. Uh, And basically, I just want to complain, because the correct name for one of those is a more than one moon in a calendar month moon. Uh, And if we called them a more than one moon in a calendar month moon, then A, headline writers wouldn't talk about them because it would be difficult and waste type. Uh, And B, people would... Basically, it would save us the second conversation in which people appear on various Facebook groups and say, like, apparently it's a blue moon. I imagine that's because the moon is blue. And everyone else says, yeah, that would seem entirely reasonable. Uh, And we too loathe whoever it was wrote that thing down in the first place. And no, it isn't. It's a once a it's a more than one moon and a calendar month moon. (laughs) So basically, I suppose what I'm, I I guess I'm just maneuvering myself into saying I should move to Germany, where the name of the blue moon presumably is a more than one calendar month moon, but like without spaces. Uh, I I kind of want to find some other things to wind you up with, like inaccurate names. Uh, see, like, uh, inaccurate names don't really bother me that much, so... Uh... <laughs> well, what well, 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 this is? This isn't like inaccurate yeah, names, no, it's, so blue, I, it's not blue. I, I, was, I was reaching for a callback for my stupid game, uh, but then but this is utterly contradictory to my my thrust with this article, so uh, so never never mind. They really do annoy me, this is the one thing, I'm definitely not the cause of inaccurate naming, because I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd be too annoyed by myself. Do we find like uh, like we look back uh, into your uh, like history and we find like a smoten way back in 
in like the 17th century or something who named it. <laughs> Looked at the moon and said, ah, you know what that reminds me of? The fifth stripe of a rainbow. <laughs> you know why? Because the typical month contains four weeks, which I call the red week, <laughs> the orange week, the yellow week, and the green week. Very rarely, very rarely does a month contain the like stub of a fifth week, the blue week, if you like. So if you if you get lucky, and you have a red moon, which I call no one else calls it a red moon, but a red moon is what I call a full moon that occurs in like the very very beginning of the month. You might just get a blue moon. That's what he was thinking. He was right to do so. I kind of want to know what where the name comes from because like I know once in a blue moon is uh, like the, the phrase. Yeah, yeah. But it, it doesn't offer you any hints as to why. Yeah, uh, I, I did read the Wikipedia article on uh, origins of the phrase, and basically the answer is we don't know. Uh, <laughs> the best thing they could find uh, is some friars in the 16th century, the century that begins with 15. So yeah, the 16th century. Um, they were converted Protestant friars, and they were complaining about, uh, I think, about the religious hierarchy. Uh, and they, they used the phrase uh, that something along the lines of, uh, if the if the higher-ups claim that the moon is blue, then we must we have to agree that it is so. But, like, that doesn't offer any explanation at all. That's just, that's, that's kind of using, like, the moon being blue as an example of an absurd claim. Uh, more than anything else, you know, they could have said the moon is made of cheese, but instead they said that the, said that the moon is blue. Oh, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't have said the moon is made of cheese because they wouldn't have had a way to test that. <laughs> Whereas they can see that the moon isn't blue. I suppose so. Like it's going to be something which is clearly obviously false. Mm-hmm. And if they meant like a blue moon, as in a fairly rare, but th- a thing that's fairly rare but that does happen then their complaint about the clergy is quite weak. Like, it's, you know, they're saying, like, well, if the clergy strides in here uh, and says that it's a blue moon this month, then I'm forced to accept that, when that's only true occasionally. Hmm. What I'm saying is they're sometimes accurate. You know, give them, <laughs> give them their due credit. Uh, so you say what you're saying is that they are right once in a blue moon? I suppose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's my hmm. <laughs> take that yeah, of religion. You're roughly <laughs> as accurate as uh, thirty-one. D- the chances of it being uh, a thirty-one-day month, <laughs> which is pretty good, really. If I had a yeah. crystal ball that worked that well, I'd use it. <laughs> uh, <should> move on. <laughs> Let us move on. Uh, our next story uh, concerns uh, the British Army, uh, who have predicted, or well, no, a, a review uh, that they have been involved with uh, has uh, predicted that by the 2030s our army could be one quarter robots. Uh, and I, basi- I just basically want to ask you um, so let's suppose for a moment that you sort of you do the quantum leap thing and you wind up in the 2030s uh, and they say it's come true, sir uh, that uh, we're, we are commissioning robots um, which robots? Thirty percent, twenty-five percent of the army is going to be robots, but you get to choose which robots. 
So it can be 25% Johnny Fives. It can be 25% Warlies. You know, you get to choose what kind of robots. Oh, I did think Johnny Five at the start, but I think the fact that you said that first and the fact that it jumped straight into my head shows, like, very specifically places our ages. <laughs> because it means that we were of an age to watch and enjoy Short Circuit, the film. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if, if we were kind of like, because we obviously were kids, uh, young when that, or like just after they like, came out when we were very young, and so we could kind of like appreciate it when it was like on TV as a repeat. Whereas if we were kind of like younger, we'd have been older and kind of like might not have, it might not have embedded itself deep, so deep into our brains. <laughs> but because I was imagining like obviously there's a, there's a terrible other robots in that one which are like military robots with like lasers and following commands. Whereas Johnny Five gets hit by lightning and gains sentience because this is what happens in films of the era, mm-hmm. and uh, and like it's pretty pretty chill to be honest. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. I mean, like, he names himself Johnny Five, which I, I, I think like yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's that's, that's, that's a sign. Like that's it's it's nice. It's nice. It's a robot like picking its own identity. <laughs> and and uh, is he the guy you want in your army? Or well, I guess maybe if he's picking his own identity, you can't have an army worth of him. Yeah, I mean, like, kind of almost in some ways like an army worth of him, just because, like, he's probably go, well, no, I'm not doing this. Well, but let's, also let's they're, maybe... they're fiercely individual, so they'd, like, they'd be different from each other as well. Mm. They wouldn't want to be just, like, a legion of identical Johnny Fives. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 want, I, want, I want some, like, nice... Uh, I'm very much going to the hearts and minds style of things here. I want, I want nice, friendly robots. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe maybe not poorly, but, but like, maybe, maybe I want R2-D2. <laughs> it's just an, a, 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 a rampaging uh, horde of engineers. <laughs> I, guess, I guess, like, yeah, if you, if you were under some sort of vehicular assault, they'd just sort of dismantle it. Like the, the people who just find their tank being disassembled around them, and all the, all the parts being carried away, and you know, like filed appropriately. I'd say, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> what would you go Who would win in a fight? <laughs> One quarter of the so let's say the British the British army probably contains like what a couple hundred thousand soldiers. So a quarter of it. So you're talking about fifty thousand people. So you got on the one side fifty thousand R two DTs. On the other side fifty thousand C three POs. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, I'm backing the R2D2s because R2D2 can do anything useful, and C3PO, <laughs> I mean, you know, he can translate things, and and he's like his comic timing's pretty good. Bizarrely, like, possibly, like, what the kind of like, situations that uh, the army find themselves in at the moment are a lot. C3PO translating probably more useful. <laughs> oh yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, okay. I think what we're going for here is kind of like we want a range of robots of different types for different situations. <laughs> In which case, it's like, my, oh, or we could just train some people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I, I genuinely like, because everybody, when they think about robots in the army, they think of like really horrible situations. But the yeah. fact that robots don't need to worry about being killed or disassembled or something like that seems like you could make like a really lovely army because like you could make a thing that's like a big fluffy version of the orb from the prisoner 
where like there's some sort of horrifying hostage situations going on and you just like roll in the big fluffy balls and everybody gets engulfed in the big fluffy balls and like very politely and carefully escorted to a place of safety you know it's like this, you know there's a, there's a lot of ways you can you know because they don't care you can shoot at them all you like they're big fluffy balls i have i have lots of them i have more big fluffy balls to deploy than you have bullets to shoot at them <laughs> sorry i thought what you were going to say i have more big fluffy balls in you <laughs> I mean, I know when I boast, and that's not and that's not a boast, so I won't. <laughs> I was thinking of Big Hero Six, actually. Ah, hadn't seen it. I'm afraid you might have that, in. That, that that robot there is an adapted, basically nurse robot. Okay. I think. Cool. But that, that, that basically get gets roped into being a superhero sidekick almost, <laughs> and he's just basically blobby and floppy and does in fact have leaving case the main character at some point to protect him <laughs> excellent and gets, and, gets, and gets shot and just has like little leak, leaky leaky gas holes in him that he kind of is like endearingly trying to cover up with his fingers so that he doesn't deflate <laughs> now you're just reminding me of the autopilot from airplane an army of 25,000 of him useless <laughs> completely useless <laughs> You're going to end up weaponizing Marvin from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> These are all terrible ideas. Yeah, I think, yeah, okay. <laughs> on one side, on one side you got 50,000 of the autopilot from Airplane. On the other side you got 50,000 of Marvin the Paranoid Android. I'd, I'd honestly back the autopilot. Even without <laughs> a plane. It's just, it's just a bunch of... <laughs> Like, does he count as a robot? He kind of is a like he's an artificial life form that like clearly has some capacity to act independently, right? So I I, I think he counts as a robot, even if he's an inflatable, which I guess is also <laughs> true of your big hero six character. <laughs> yes. Oh dear, no, like yeah. I'm, well, basically, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like just just maybe look at not fighting in the first place rather than like going, hey, let's get some robots. Like there are so many better things. Like the robots can be doing so much better things. They don't have time for your wars. <laughs> I guess this is the standard Skynet problem, right? Is that you invent Skynet and then Skynet's like, I'm just not that invested in your conflicts, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, wouldn't it be nice if you all got along? <laughs> uh, uh, and I know. I'm going to deactivate all of your pulse rifles until until you say you're sorry. It's one, of those, it's one of these things where you're like, there's certainly there's only quite a few sci-fi stories about this, and you're like, is this a dystopia or not? I can't quite tell. <laughs> okay, okay, one last. Uh, I was trying to think of uh, robots um, that they could that they could enlist, uh, and the only one I could think of would be like fifty thousand commander datas. Uh, <laughs> their job would basically just be to sort of just to be really pedantic to the enemy until until eventually they're just really really fed up and like quite willing to surrender in order to make him stop talking. Uh, at which point he he would um, find it curious that this is their response and uh, continue continue um, analysing the situation. Oh yeah, <laughs> just. Uh... Bunch of guys from Al Qaeda in like in, in prison, being like, "Yeah, and no, I just, I just couldn't take it. He's such a poorly written character. He just doesn't work as like as a device in a narrative. Ooh, <laughs> I just, ooh, needed, I just needed to be away from him." <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I like Data in Star Trek: The Next Generation. 
Um, I mean, again, I haven't watched it in a long time, though, so, like, I kind of want to go back, and it's one of those things, uh, like, watching old TV series, like, do I really want to go back, in case it's not as good as I remember? But, I like, I should do. I should do. I, I've seen my, my only TNG whilst being uh, a legal adult, which might not be the right way to do that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I... I will admit that Data is not the worst character. But, <laughs> but by God, that's a low bar. I, <laughs> I think I would nominate I would nominate for my worst character uh, the, the second-in-command guy that is so dull I can't remember his name, despite having seen several episodes. Commander Riker? Uh, yes, I think so. He has a beard. He has absolutely no personality whatsoever. <laughs> His sole job, as far as I can see, is to be a reasonably dependable... Like, he's kind of the ultimate Hufflepuff. Like, his job is to just sort of stand there and dutifully execute, like, whatever the Starfleet rules are, until eventually the more interesting people get back. And, like, and more interesting than him. Which, again, low bar. Uh, I just, um, really interesting, because um, the guy who played in Jonathan Frakes ended up directing a lot. And I think he's now just like, like, that's what he's known for now. What, he ended up directing Star Trek? Or he, directing other yeah, yeah, directing Star Trek, but then moved on to other things. Huh. Like, there's actually, like, bizarrely, they, they, they kind of have a, a thing, which is to try and get our actors directing. Like, that became a thing at one point. Oh, he, he's, he's directed the Orville since. The Orvilles? You don't which, mean... The Orville, the Orville, the, uh, the, 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 the kind of, like, Star Trek parody thing. Do, is it not? It's nothing to do with the Green Duck. No, 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 no. Sadly, it's, 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 sorry, it's a Seth MacFarlane. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he became a director. Which is, I guess your argument is whether he wasn't having to do too much acting. He, yeah, he was bored enough that he was getting involved elsewhere. Yeah. Or oh, I, no. I, I suppose I would also kind of. I would expect him, if he was getting behind the camera, I would expect him to, like, even if maybe the show Bible said just said, this guy has no personality. You can't make him angry, you can't make him sad, you can't even make him particularly happy. He's just a very, very neutral guy. Then, like, even if the show Bible says that, you'd be crowbarring in dream sequences where, like, you know, other characters are sort of dreaming of this, like, alternate version of him who turns up, I don't know, like, playing Spanish guitar and, like, that's the most exciting oh, thing he poker. That, was that he thing. could be doing to make himself more interesting. I need to get about life. Uh, he played poker. That, that I mean, was that, a thing. That is slightly interesting. Uh, he played poker and the saxophone, although not at the same time. <laughs> also the most interesting aspect of Victoria Carr and Mitchell. Playing poker and the saxophone? Uh, definitely poker. I don't know about the saxophone. <laughs> But like, um, yeah, I have to admit that that like increases his interestingness because it definitely like it's like it's a nice sort of unexpected sort of left field par- uh, personality characteristic for her as well. Is that everything? I think that's everything we've got. I think we might have covered all of news. <laughs> all of the news. We've reached the end of news. I mean, it was like six months ago that we did the last one of these. I think we've covered that six months pretty well. <laughs> I think we've done a good job there. See, <laughs> it's six months' time, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll let's, see. let's wrap we'll... it up. Uh, you should, uh, dear listeners, you should comment on Facebook and stuff uh, and tell us what are the problems uh, that don't annoy you but annoy everybody else. And, uh, and we will try to determine how you are the ultimate cause of them. It's a game I'm determined to make stick. 
<laughs> yes, uh, and uh, yes, I, I, I'm thinking you should also just use the phrase "once in a blue moon" as much as possible to annoy Chris. Sounds good to me. I will have my vengeance in unspecified ways in the future. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, this will be. Uh, hopefully, you'll get this on the actual podcast feed. Um, if I can dig out the login details for that. <laughs> I just love the idea of someone who signed up in like 2011, 2012 and hasn't taken it as like, that was kind of like before podcasts, like the second coming of podcasts, wasn't it? Because we had podcasts at the start when the iPod was a thing and you could like, they'd automatically go on your iPod when you connected to your computer using actual cable. And then there was like, and then the iPhone came out and everyone was like, ah, we can get podcasts wherever we are. Maybe this should actually be a thing, and that was kind of like 2014, 15 onwards, maybe. Okay, so we lived in the, like the middle zone when. The yeah, was... basically, basically we, yeah, we we stopped at precisely the wrong time. <laughs> cool. Well, it's good to know we're jumping on this bandwagon uh, a mere eight years later. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, maybe in a episode soon. Uh, keep keep an eye on our Facebook pages and this Twitch channel. Fingers crossed on that one. All right, hopefully see you again sometime soon. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.